Thank you again for listening to our podcast today. Thank you so much for your support. We worship on Sunday at 10 a.m. here at St. John's Lutheran Church in the heart of downtown Martinsburg, West Virginia. Know that you're always welcome to our table and to our worship. God bless. And we hope you enjoy today's message. As Andrew said in his children's sermon, we are a congregation that can do impossible things. I'm reminded of last year when our entire conference of Lutheran churches came together to raise over $20,000 in less than six months to send 15 of our youth and adults to Houston for the ELCA Youth Gathering. Yesterday we handed out 150 backpacks, 450 some hot dogs, 600 snow cones or so, give or take a few, about 1,000 bottled waters, hundreds of our new welcome brochures to people in our community whom we may or may not have ever met. We went beyond the standard community service project. We engaged our brothers and sisters in dialogue, our neighbors in Christ. When I was approached about this event, it originally started out as just, we're going to hand out backpacks. And then we decided we were going to fill those backpacks. And then we decided that we were going to get the list of, for all the Berkeley County, and we were going to make grade-specific backpacks, which meant more school supplies than we imagined. Because we realized as we started to fill them, we didn't have nearly enough. So we asked once again, and with the help of the Lions Club and your contributions, we made 150 backpacks happen, and they ran out in 20 minutes. But that didn't stop us. We took their names and their grades and their phone numbers, and, we, and I went to two Dollar Trees. I went to Office Depot and cleaned them out. Five and Below bought 100, uh, another 95 backpacks, so a whole host of other things. I felt like I was Robert Irvine. You remember from Dinner Impossible when he used to take two shopping carts? That was me going through the store. We got enough school supplies in the back of my Prius to fill 95 more backpacks who didn't get one yesterday. You know, during the event yesterday, I met someone who told me she receives around $430 a month in Social Security benefits. At the rent and food, she only had about $30 left to spend to, to purchase school supplies, clothes, and shoes for her kids to start the school year. I know many teachers in our congregation know about these situations all too well. When you look at the Berkeley County Bat Prep Program, a wonderful program, a wonderful ministry that makes sure no child goes hungry over the weekend, they serve 27 of our county schools. Children in our community, our neighbors, face hunger scarcity, and that doesn't sit well with me. You know, no child in our community should ever have to worry about a meal. No child in our community should ever have to worry about having the necessary tools to start school. No family should ever have to make the choice between buying school supplies or buying clothes for them to wear. My brothers and sisters, we have found a need in our community, and the Holy Spirit would not let us sit still or stay silent. We doing the impossible is not just a trait of St. John's Lutheran Church. It's a trait of the Holy Spirit. It is a sign of the Holy Spirit's presence. How in the world are we going to fill 150 backpacks? That was a question I asked, and I know many others asked a couple weeks ago when we started to fill them. How are we going to get enough school supplies together? The Holy Spirit united us as a congregation together with the Lions Club, local businesses, and other organizations to make this dream we had eight months ago a reality. That is what the Holy Spirit does. The Holy Spirit does the impossible. But yet, Luke 12, 
I came to bring fire to the earth, and how I wish it was already kindled. Do you think that I have come to bring peace to the earth? No, I tell you, rather division. A day after we came together to do the impossible, we read about division in our church. There's a reason why I usually take the Sunday off. And not just any kind of old division, but this division that seems to be endorsed by Christ. It's really an amazing thing when you think about that anyone want to follow Jesus. It's an amazing thing that people willingly bring their precious little sons and daughters to the baptismal font. Being a Christian will cause friction with your family, your neighbors, and even people you thought would always love and accept you. Being a Christian means we believe that Jesus has brought with him fire to the earth. Though I think our 21st century minds run a little far with this imagery. Luke has already told us through John the Baptist that Jesus is coming with a fire of purification and refinement. Fire connotes God's presence. Think about the burning bush and how it was in that fire that God laid out his plan for salvation for the people of Israel. Fire also represents the power of God to effect change in the face of formidable resistance as well as the power to overwhelm God's enemies. It is no wonder why fire becomes a symbol of judgment because judgment is another way of speaking about how unrighteous idolatry and injustice cannot exist in God's presence. The fire that Jesus is promising to bring, therefore, is not something out of Dante's Inferno, but it's more like the fire of a foundry, where the impure elements rise to the top of the kettle, are skimmed away, and we are left with a pure alloy that is strong, formidable, and malleable. When you start to peel away the layers of Jesus' words, they become less terrifying and more affirming, though they still should remain a bit terrifying in our hearts and should leave us with a good healthy dose of fear. Jesus also says, when you see a cloud rising in the west, you immediately say it is going to rain, and so it happens. And when you see the south wind blowing, you say there's going to be a scorching heat, and so it happens. These words about the weather, they seem a bit out of place in this gospel, but think hard about what Jesus is saying. He goes from talking about division to talking about noticing the weather. You know when you walk out the door in the morning, you look to the west and you see clouds, you know it's going to rain. Simple observation tells us that. So what does simple observation tell you about division? Mainly that it's all around us. I mean, how many of us have lost friendships over political beliefs? It doesn't seem like that hard these days to do, right? Last week, the LCA had its triannual assembly, and they made some big decisions. The most of what was decided can only be enforced if a congregation decides to do so. But yet people are dividing themselves yet again. And we've been dividing ourselves as a church since 1517 when Martin Luther wrote 95 grievances over the sale of indulgences. I think from general observation, we should be able to see that division happens all the time because the Word of God is a divisive thing. The Word of God says that the powerful will fall from their thrones and the lowly lifted up. The Word of God calls us to welcome the stranger as the Samaritan man did. The Word of God gives us forgiveness of sins to people who are said to be unforgivable. The Word of God upsets the comfortable and comforts the afflicted. The Word of God is going to cause division. The question is, will these divisions cause us to fracture away? When do we call it quits? 
What is that red line in the sand for you? I think in many ways, events like yesterday show us just how strong we can be when we unite ourselves as one community. Yes, divisions will happen and people will come and go because that is what happens when you mix sin into the equation. So how are we going to interpret the present time? then? What do you see in our future, in your future? I'm not sure. I know you feel kind of let down, not knowing the future, right? You feel like you got let down with the pastor. But when I'm not sure about things, I turn to the Bible. And I turn to a woman named Mary who was unsure of her future. As an unwed mother carrying the word of God made flesh, she has something to say about interpreting the present time. She says in Luke 1, My soul magnifies the Lord, and my spirit rejoices in God my Savior. For he has looked with favor in the lowliest of his servants. Surely from now on all generations will call me blessed. For the mighty one has done great things for me, and holy is his name. His mercy is for those who fear him from generation to generation. He has shown strength with his arms. He has scattered the proud in his thoughts of their hearts. He has brought down the powerful from their thrones and lifted up the lowly. He has filled the hungry with good things and sent the rich away empty. He has helped his servant Israel in remembrance of his mercy, according to the promises he, promise he made to our ancestors, to Abraham and to his descendants forever. My brothers and sisters, may you see that in the midst of the vision, the midst of broken promises, of broken friendships, of broken families, that Christ is in the midst of all these shattered parts of your life. And he, and he is the only stable thing we can cling to in the hope that the basic aspects of this corrupted world system will change. May you see that the work you do as a Christian will cause divisions in the society and in our world, but you are following someone who knows the way. For our Lord is near. Have no fear, little flock. For the one who brings divisions will be your strong and everlasting tower of hope. And nothing is impossible with the power of the Holy Spirit at your side.